0: The Old Testament reading for this, the 15th Sunday after Pentecost, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes from the prophet Ezekiel, the 33rd chapter. So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way... That wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Fear the Lord, you his saints. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord the God of them all. The epistle reading comes from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, the 13th chapter. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For the same reason, you also pay taxes, where the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Owe no one anything except to love each other, For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And this is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel comes to us according to St. Matthew, the 18th chapter. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world for temptations to sin. For it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man came to save the lost. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. And this is the Gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I have the greatest doctor ever. I should give you her number. You would love her. Whenever I go there, she tells me that everything's okay. Whether I'm sick or not, she says everything's fine and there's really no need to change anything that I'm doing. She assures me that I am not overweight. High cholesterol is just a matter of individual perception and my ragingly high blood pressure, that won't affect me at all, she says. See, she values my feelings And she respects my individuality. She knows that I would feel sad if I knew that the way I was living was killing me. And she doesn't want me to think less of her by giving me bad news or telling me that I might be doing something wrong. She's not one to force her opinions on someone else. She is such a great doctor. I mean, that's foolish, isn't it? That's not being a good doctor at all. A doctor like that would be considered a quack and would hopefully lose her license. By doing such a thing, she puts people's lives in danger. Knowing that someone is killing themselves, knowing that they have a way to prevent it, and refusing to say anything about it, that's one of the most hateful things that you could do to someone. So why do we think that we're being good Christians When we do the same thing. Knowing God's law. Knowing how rampant sin is in the world. Knowing the dire and eternal consequences of that sin. Why are we so content to sit back and just let people think that everything is okay? As Christians, we must warn people. We are called to warn people. And we have to do it because we are held responsible for our inaction by God. Look at the reading where God is speaking to the prophet Ezekiel. He says, I will give you my word. And if you don't take that word to the sinner, their blood is on your hands. God makes it clear here that as Christians, we have a responsibility to the entire world around us. We have been given God's word. We know the truth of it. We know what it says. We know what it means. And we will be called to account for what we do with it in our lives. Do we just keep it to ourselves, say, well, I'm good with God and everyone else has already made their choice, so what does it really matter? Or do we boldly proclaim it throughout our lives, even at great personal expense? Because whether we like to admit it or not, there are people out there who genuinely don't know the Word of God. Not just in some far-off tribe in the deepest, darkest forest where an airplane hasn't been seen forever. Right here, in our own backyard, in our own community, in our own families. There are people who have been so influenced by society that they don't even think twice about having an abortion, murdering the child within them. The world around them is so loud and pervasive that they see nothing at all wrong with drunkenness, homosexuality, promiscuity, greed, self-centeredness, taking God's name in vain all the time. The world proclaims so much evil as good and says that so much that is good is evil. And we hear that message over and over and over in all the influential people in our lives to the point that we are so desensitized we don't even think that, hey, maybe this is wrong. When you hear it pounded into your head day after day after day after day, constantly, you can't help but be changed by it. And so when we look at our society, When we look at the people around us, we cannot assume that people even know what's right and wrong anymore. We cannot sit back and keep God's word to ourselves and say, well, I'm sure they know and they'll work it out themselves. God tells us that when he gives us his word, when he says to tell sinners to repent and we don't, their sin is laid at our feet. Their blood is on our hands if we refuse to speak God's word. We are called to speak God's word, and we must do it because we are held accountable by God. But it's actually about far more than just protecting ourselves. The consequences for us not telling people about God's word, it's bad for us, but it's far worse for them. The consequences of their sin is eternal hell. Ignorance is no excuse. God's law is absolute. It does not change. He does not grade on a curve. He does not say, well, you only heard the gospel a couple times, so wink, wink, we'll let you in here. Whether sin is done willingly or completely by accident, without the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, sin separates you from God. You can walk through this life with a false sense of comfort, telling yourself you're not doing anything wrong, telling yourself you're a decent person, telling yourself, well, at least I'm better than that guy. People do that all the time. Their confidence is in their actions. They say, hey, I give to PBS every now and then. I come to things and help my community. And they think that that makes it okay with God. But at the final judgment... If you are still holding on to your sin, if you are still believing that you have done nothing wrong, still claiming that you have no need for Jesus as your Savior, you will be cast into hell, eternally separated from God, living in constant pain and torment and chaos. Is that a scary thought? It should be, because that is the destination for so many people in this world. My vicarage pastor once said to me, there are going to be so many nice people in hell and so many surprised ones too. That's the shame of sin. It convinces you that it's okay. It convinces you there's nothing wrong, that there are no consequences whatsoever, and you have no need to be saved from it because it's not actually a danger. Our temporary comfort in keeping God's word to ourselves is not worth someone else's damnation. Too often, we think that we're being nice to people by not speaking to them about their sin. It's uncomfortable for us when we confront someone about the sin in their life. It's uncomfortable for them as they hear that they are in the wrong. It may jeopardize our relationship with that person, and we're probably going to be accused of being hypocrites and closed-minded bigots and all sorts of other nasty things. But ignoring the fact that someone is jeopardizing their eternal soul, that is not a show of love, respect, or niceness. That is not kind in any way whatsoever. And so we, who know God's word, we are charged to share that word so that others may live. Is someone that you know sleeping around or living with someone outside of marriage? Warn them of God's truth. Don't just sit back and enable it. Are your children drifting away from the church because they don't think it's that important? Remind them of the disastrous consequences. Is a friend of yours under the impression that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as it feels right to you? Set them straight. Not using your own life. Not using your own ideas but pointing to God's clear and unquestionable eternal word. Because it never changes, even when the world around us is constantly changing. It is perfect and it is holy where our lives are not. And it comes from our loving Heavenly Father, not from this deceitful, sinful world. We speak the word of God as we are charged. But we don't just warn of God's wrath. We also proclaim God's love. We don't just club people over the head, point out their flaws, hoping that they'll be slightly less immoral people. No. As Christians, we speak the whole word of God. We rejoice in the amazing gift that we have received from God. God, who could strike us down because of our sin, who owes us nothing whatsoever, he is merciful and he is gracious. God is loving and he is kind. And God has forgiven all of our sins through the cross of Jesus Christ. Not by changing the rules to fit our preferred lifestyle. Not by pretending the sin never happened. Not by going with a majority vote and saying, Well, I guess in this generation, this isn't a sin anymore. No. All sin had to be paid for. All sin deserved full punishment. And the wrath of God was poured out in full, not upon us who had actually done the sin, but upon his beloved Son, Jesus Christ. There at the cross, the innocent Lamb of God took away the sins of the world by taking all the eternal punishment upon himself instead of leaving it to us. There he suffered the wrath of God for every single sin ever committed. There, he bled and died for you to pay the price of your guilt so that you could be washed clean and proclaimed holy, innocent, and righteous when you stand before the judgment throne of God. Jesus Christ died for your sin and rose again to give you the victory. That's the joyous message of Jesus. That's the word of God that we as Christians are called to share with others. All of this, both God's wrath and God's love, we are to proclaim continually to the world. Now to do that, though, we ourselves have to be in the Word. It is very hard to tell people what God says if you yourself don't know. It's very hard to bring God's Word to people if you yourself don't listen to it. God speaks to us through His Word, through His church. When we separate ourselves from that, we are in a different way neglecting our duties as his watchmen, and we are failing the world. Would a good watchman completely ignore the phone when it rings and he's supposed to be warning others? Of course not. God does not call us to do it all by ourselves. Instead, he comes to us himself. He builds us up, and he refreshes us continually as we hear his word in our regular divine services, as we study it in Bible study and personal devotions, as we are continually washed by the waters of baptism, as he comes to us in his true body and blood to strengthen and nourish us through his holy supper. All these things, God is working in us, working faith, strengthening us, giving us the courage and the means to take his word out into the world Though he had every right to do so, God was not content to sit back and stop warning people. Instead, he gave us his word, and he gave us his very life. Having been given that precious gift and knowledge, it is a joy for us to willingly share it with the world. When you have been given such infinite riches... When you are given something that can change life eternally and you know that it will never run out, why would you not want to share it? It is a joy for us to say, Jesus loves me and he loves you too. He can change you. He gives you something far more meaningful than what this wretched world has to offer. Even if it makes us uncomfortable, even if the world doesn't want to hear it, and yes, even if it makes people upset or angry, it is a joy for us. To share the word of God. When the recent hurricanes were bearing down on the coasts, why did the meteorologists tell people about it? Was it to show how much better they were at predicting the weather? Was it to make people feel bad and ruin all their fun? Of course not. It was to save lives, to let people know that danger was near and they had to take action. To have that knowledge and keep it to yourself is selfish and reprehensible. We are called to do the same. We proclaim God's word with boldness and love, praying that everyone may be brought to Christian faith. It is not God's will that anyone should perish, and it is not our will either. We proclaim not just God's law, but that precious gospel message Boldly professing God's love and mercy and forgiveness, not just for us, but for all those who look to him in faith. Tenderly inviting people to share in the peace that we ourselves know and enjoy. We can walk through this world in confidence and we want others to be able to do the same. So that we may rejoice both with them here on earth and for all eternity in heaven. Here in this world, We pray that others may believe and join us on the wall, shouting that warning, joining us in our fight. And when our last hour comes, we look forward to joining all our fellow watchmen in God's eternal rest. No more sin to watch out for. No more warnings to cry out. Finally able to let down our guard for good, resting in his loving arms with all the saints for all eternity. So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman. God has given us a responsibility, and it is a very serious one indeed. We have been entrusted with God's word, and we have been appointed as watchmen, sounding the alarm to a world under siege by sin. But he has not set us on the wall unarmed or empty-handed. God has given us his holy and eternal word. God has given us his power. And most importantly, God has given us his forgiveness, his love, his salvation, and his redemption. It is a difficult job, but it is one that we do with great joy and with great vigor because we know just what's at stake. We continually cry out to the world like watchmen on the wall, proclaiming God's wrath as well as his love. And when we get weary of our duties, when the world seems to be winning, when our voices are forced from shouting the alarm and nobody seems to be listening, God refreshes us with his word. That same word that we proclaim to the world, it strengthens and renews us as well. That word points us to Christ's perfect sacrifice upon the cross. It reminds us of the eternal victory that we have been given. It tells us in no uncertain terms that by the cross of Jesus Christ alone, By his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. Thanks be to God. Amen.